0: Four games. It takes a very steady hand. Conventions. <laughs> Toys. Star Trek action figures also sold separately. Comics. My spidey sense is tingling. Collectible. Sold $325. Books. I'm a best selling author. RPGs. Where are the Cheetos? Video games. Grab and Fields. Yeah. Music. <laughs> Anime. I'm the hero. This. Is the G to v podcast? Hello and welcome to the inaugural episode of the G2V Podcast. I'm Scott Woodard coming to you from sunny and surprisingly warm Portland, Oregon, and making up the other half of the two-headed host monster is my partner in time, Arnold T. Blumberg.
1: Hello. Coming Hello. to you Hello. from the incredibly overcast and depressing Baltimore, Maryland.
0: <laughs> well, that's what we normally have here, of
1: course. Yeah. but every, every day. So for once. Every day it's different.
0: They, I, I actually, I'm not going to bore the listeners with uh, with weather reports, but uh, <laughs> that, that's what we're going to do. No, um, they were actually saying that we're going to have 85 degrees this Saturday, oh. and uh, we're recording right now. It is uh, the end of April, so I think that's a little unseasonably warm for this time of the, uh, time of the year. So, but uh, rainy, but anyway, rainy
1: today, tapering off to light clouds and <laughs> mostly clear on tomorrow's chart. <laughs> and, uh, and now on to traffic. So and that's anyway, the episode. There that's the
0: episode. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed yourselves. All right. Now, back to the real uh, focus of the show. Uh, this is our very first episode of g 2 And we thought it would be hugely appropriate, especially when we came up with this idea weeks ago, <laughs> before the movie had been released, uh, to talk about uh, all things Evil Dead, uh, especially in regards to the, the new movie. And since I've, every other podcast in the world has already talked about this movie, That's right. we're, we're late to the game, but let's go ahead and uh, we can talk a little bit about it. We're also going to talk about the entire legacy that Evil Dead has, of course, spawned, everything from all the other previously released movies and games and comics and toys and whatever else comes up. So,
1: And it's not important uh, to be first, it's only important to be best.
0: Yes. So there you go.
1: We're, <laughs> we we're providing here, a we're little good. more perspective now that it's settled in.
0: Yeah, 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 I
1: could see that. Yeah. That makes
0: makes perfect sense. So yeah, you know, one thing that's kind of funny, I was thinking about this this morning, Arnold. Um, we really haven't shared all of our uh, opinions about the film. I know we, you know, we initially chatted a little bit about it, that's and, right? And talked about how much we both actually liked it, which kind of I think surprised us. But I, th- I've been sort of holding back.
1: Yeah, me, to, I mean,
0: oh, I don't want to waste all this good potential conversation.
1: Yeah. And and I um, I too I I went into it hoping I was going to enjoy it and then found myself really enjoying it quite a lot, but I was holding back really talking about it until we had a chance to do this. So.
0: So as I said, we both liked it. Yes. And which is pretty amazing. And what I, one thing I was thinking about is this is a this is a first time feature director.
1: First time feature director, but um, first of all, it seems like he had a little background in uh, he'd done short features did that one short that was pretty cool and showed that he clearly could handle producing something that involved effects and yet you still want someone that can clearly create character and drive something emotionally and not just be an effect showcase which technically this movie kind of is on one level though anyway um mm-hmm. but he did a phenomenal job i thought and i and i really think that was one of the things watching the movie that i noticed repeatedly while not throwing me out of the film, was how distinctive it was visually and how there were a lot of inventive angles. And it wasn't just all paying homage to the past and the original, but really inventive stuff, keeping the camera moving, doing great things with it that I just thought visually alone, and I know this is a word that doesn't automatically go along with this kind of horror for some people, but I thought it looked beautiful. It had hmm. a beautiful look to this movie, and part of it, I think, was the direction.
0: Yeah, I'm wondering if maybe Sam and, and, and Rip Rip Tappert. Rip Tappert.
1: If anybody goes Rob. back and checks out the original, which I'm sure we'll talk more about, the original Within the Woods that started this whole thing off, you will discover that Bruce Campbell was Bruce Campbell, Sam Raimi was Sam Raimi, but Rob Tappert was Rip Tappert. <laughs> <laughs> producer extraordinaire.
0: Uh, yeah, producer extraordinaire who went on to produce such amazing films as... I, I don't know. Whatever happened to that guy, Rip
1: Yeah, Tappert? Rip Tappert. I don't know, but I'd like to stick back <laughs> to the business.
0: But no, what I was going to say is I I wonder if the three of them saw sort of the same sensibility that they had in their youth in – what is his name? Fede Alvarez? Fede is it Fede? Fede? I'm
1: not exactly sure how to pronounce the name. so we <laughs> <to
0: play. laughs> We're going to completely butcher the name. So if, if you're listening to this podcast, that. we apologize. Yeah, we
1: should have checked on that. But,
0: I, yeah, I think it was fitting, but uh,
1: but yeah, he's amazing. I mean, right out of the gate, and and of course, you could argue like, who knows? Years from now, you find out. Oh, was you know, was was he led along the way a little bit or something? All all the reports seem to indicate that this was very much his vision. I sometimes hate when people automatically go to that word, but it does seem appropriate here. It was his vision of reinventing the series, and he really seems to have done quite a job. So maybe, yeah, maybe they did see something in him that was like, hey, that's the enthusiasm and the excitement that we had when we were starting.
0: Did he actually come to them at all in the process?
1: Well, it sounds like what happened is that he had done some work before, and including this one that you can find online, Panic Attack which is this great little short. I thought it was nice. I mean it is a it's uh, a, like an effects showcase kind of thing, but it's got some really cool little tricks in it. And it's about robots destroying uh Uruguay, which is where he's from. Uh <laughs> and uh he put it on YouTube and it got attention and it got attention from Raimi and Campbell and apparently there was some discussion about him doing some kind of movie project when from what it sounds like, they then turned around and said, hey, maybe this is the one that we could give the reinvention of the Evil Dead franchise. We could hand it over to him, and he had never done a feature film before, and yet he had clearly mentioned in discussing with them his love for the Evil Dead franchise, and it's like, here you go. Dream come true. Take a shot, and they – like you said, maybe they saw something in him in that work that's like there's that spark of invention and excitement. Right. We recognize, and,
0: and it probably was wise to go with somebody like that as opposed to an established director. I think who so. Would be bringing too much of themselves to the.
1: I to think themselves. so, and and the thing is though, you've seen too often. I mean, the problem is this is a, this is a big trap doing a remake. I mean, we've we've also gone through a period right now of the last five to seven years where we've been, just been buried by horror remakes, and one of the things that I've seen frequently about them that's getting aggravating is how. We've seen remakes of Halloween and Friday the 13th and Texas Chainsaw and The Hills Have Eyes and all these movies again and again and again, all this Platinum Dunes stuff, and over and over and over again, and they are all identical. They're all desaturated, washed out, green and gray and brown films that take all of the gore – and I'm not a gore hound type of person, but if you're going to do this kind of stuff, that's an essential part of it. They drain all of that out of it so they can potentially get PG-13. And they take away everything that made the originals something worthy of even being thought about to be remade in the first place. Mm-hmm. And these guys turned to their own franchise and shepherded this along in a way that clearly maintained the respect for the original which is kind of silly to say in a way when you think about it, because the original movie is this ultra low budget, you know, a bunch of friends thrown together. Let's do a horror movie. It's hardly like it's a classic piece of cinema in one sense. It's what they achieved and what we all built into it as fans that made it the classic that it was.
0: Well, and yeah, and I just sorry to interrupt, but to be perfectly honest, I'm not that big of a fan of the original Mm -hmm. evil dead. I mean, it you know, it's obviously an important film in the series, but, and, I, and you know, again, you have to use that term series lightly as well because Evil Dead 2 is basically a remake. And, so. and Army
1: of Darkness is basically a remake. Every <laughs> one of them starts the story <laughs> over true. again. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's the thing, too, that I'm not a huge fan of the original either. I, I like it more now than I used to. But mm-hmm. it has a great deal – and this is one of the things that annoyed the hell out of me was the, a lot of the coverage about this remake was people – moaning and complaining about the fact that this did not have the sense of humor from the original Evil Dead. Well, newsflash, the original Evil Dead did not have the humor in it. The only reason it had humor was the unintentional humor that derived from it being a low-budget film with puppetry that Mm -hmm. looked goofy. But that humor and the slapstick didn't start until Evil Dead 2 and then really come into its own in Army of Darkness. That first Evil Dead was intentionally supposed to be that grueling horror that they were talking about. And this one, I think, achieves it. And I was mentioning about like the recent spate of remakes that desaturate the horror. That's one of the things that I walked out of the theater. I was just so amazed and thrilled and satisfied to go to a horror remake, to go to a horror movie at all lately, and see the color red. Yeah, I was amazed to see red on the screen again. And not just red. But it was almost like the movie said, you want red back? Here's red. We're going to give it to you and a lot of <laughs> –
0: They give you a lot at the end, and, that's for sure. And the
1: thing is I felt this is very telling socially too, culturally. We've had a long run here of desaturating all of the shock and, and uh, alarm out of what is a genre that should always be about shock and provoking a reaction. And this movie provokes a reaction it demands mm-hmm. one and i think the color palette was one of those reasons
0: well of course it is funny speaking of color and blood that if you look at evil dead 2 there you know you have blue blood black blood right right like all these different crazy colors that they that they had in that film
1: some of that was to try to avoid the ra- to scoot around the ratings issues because there was all that thing of you know if you're going to do torrents of red blood you're going to get an x of course now here we are into 2013 I'm actually that was another thing. I was amazed that that movie got an R rating. Yeah. I could not believe that with the stuff they did in that, which was so and at times so painfully uncomfortable <laughs> yes. in how creepy and over the top it was while maintaining a level of realism in the gore that I didn't expect, that I'm mm-hmm. astonished that that made it an R
0: well, now we're going to get into spoiler territory if we talk too much about it I the think aliens. everybody
1: if anybody had <laughs> this <laughs> evil dead remake by now they shouldn't be listening
0: yeah j- maybe jump ahead to the midpoint of the show when we'll talk about the old old films and, and the yeah you know, the, the video games and things but um what i was going to say is that i think one of the most effective and i you know it's not even really gory uh scenes in the movie is the one in darkness where you talking. just hear the slicing sounds yeah yeah i mean when as soon as that came up and you you saw that that the image of the uh you know from the from the necronomicon mm-hmm. and you hear the and it's just pure black, yeah. and you just hear that that meaty sort of butchering slicing in the in the right side of the theater. And
1: you know exactly what's you happening. You know
0: exactly what is happening, Right. and you're just waiting for this reveal, which, of course, is as gruesome as you expect it to be.
1: And, you know, here's another thing that just speaks to a certain general thing about movies today, which is a lot of people – I've always been somebody that's very um, – totally okay with being spoiler-heavy. I don't mind knowing everything before a movie. Uh, Mm -hmm. Seeing stuff, knowing stuff, reading an entire script, none of it matters to me. To me, the experience of seeing the movie is fine. But obviously, of course, we have a culture with a lot of people that have become even more so so spoiler-phobic. And yet, that moment to me actually worked because I had already seen enough still shots and material about the movie that I knew exactly Mm -hmm. what scene was coming up. I knew which gore shot that was going to be and what character was involved.
0: Well, yeah, because it's in, in it's in the trailer. Yeah, it's in you the know, trailer. Where he's he's shouting, you know, what have you done? or What have you done to yourself? Or some line like that, and she turns around and reveals that she's all exactly. sliced up.
1: Yeah, so. I think it's just even more to the credit of the film then, and Alvaro's work, and everybody involved, yeah. that that scene, like you said, it plays like a radio show for a minute. It goes totally black. All you hear is this disgusting, fleshy... <laughs> cutting and you know exactly what you're about to say so in essence it's almost like it undercuts the surprise you're not going to be shocked but it's so much more disturbing right and uh and it's brilliant but then I, one thing that you did say shortly after we both saw it was saying that it did what it needed to do and being that perfect sort of haunted house experience of a movie
0: i was just going to talk about that it i found this movie to be a true haunted house it felt like you were walking through this thing in, a, in you know, Universal the Horror Nights or whatever they do there, or you know, some big Halloween event. Mm-hmm. Uh, because not only did you have things like that, where you know the lights would come on and reveal some horrific thing that you would shriek at, there there was literally a siren in <laughs> pieces of the music, which you know it's such a it's such a cliche sound effect to use in a haunted attraction. So when the music would start to build up and you'd hear this this actual siren buried in the track, I was just roaring. I thought it was awesome, and that that kind of leads to another another thing as well. A lot of people are saying how this is such a straight ahead, you know, dark horror film, but it's funny because if you know sort of the the whole Evil Dead legacy, you know the homages, you know the little nods to to, to the older stuff. And I can, I have to say that for most of the movie when I was watching it I was I was actually kind of smiling. Oh yeah. And it wasn't so yeah. much that I was just so satisfied that I was watching a, you know, a pretty decent horror film. It was also because I realized that this thing does fit in perfectly with that sort of legacy and it also is absolutely 100% talking to not only the the new fans, you know, hopefully it's going to generate some fans, but it's also talking to us. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, obviously the car was there. The car. You know, I know. It's... There's the car. There's, um, there's certain lines that are said when, when they would come up, I, I couldn't help but giggle because they were lifted right out of the old film. I think
1: it's Eric um, who actually says, does the thing about, you know, we just buried, uh, did the version of Bruce Campbell's line of just yeah. buried your girlfriend. Does that sound fine to you?
0: Yep and, yep. and that
1: was in there. Um,
0: and then, of course, when, when, you know, she, Mia's in the, um, in the woodshed, or in the tool shed, and goes between the walls. Right. And you're thinking, why does that space exist? And of course, you know, if you look back on the ash running through that cabin, you know, originally, you know, there were, there were these weird gaps in walls that, that shouldn't be there. Just and ridiculous.
1: If, if I, It's absolutely ridiculous. The cabin's bigger on the inside. But the thing is, it makes perfect sense because this entire experience is being distorted by a demonic possession. So the the cabin, (laughs) the shed, everything is part of some otherworldly morphing of reality. So it makes sense. It can be crazy, it doesn't have to make any logical sense.
0: You're listening to the G2V podcast. Yeah, and then, um, but there were also things like, you know, if you remember uh, the, and I, you know, again, you don't use this term around Sam Raimi, but continuity issues. (laughs) Um, In Evil Dead 2, you know, Ash would get completely covered in gouts of blood, and then in the next scene, he would have like three spots on his shirt. And they kind of did a few of those in this movie, Um, you know, where she, uh, I forget the character's name, the one who sliced her face up. Wasn't she the one who got vomited on? That's Olivia, yeah. Yeah, and there's a scene where after she gets puked on, there's just like a little bit on it. Yeah, her.
1: she's all right. It's just, it, <laughs> it just goes away. just kind of, it's you know, it's it's evil. It goes, it goes away. And actually, that was um, one of the things. It, there's so many things swirling in our heads, obviously, about this. That was another yeah. one of the things was when the vomit happened, and it's the vomiting up blood scene, and they went to the trouble of making it look like it's more than just blood, like there's yeah. something in it's there chunks. too. It's like. Chunks. <laughs> It actually made me squirm, and it was weird, and and it came to a point where we were talking about it afterward. Um, We were saying it's interesting that there's so much really intense, over-the-top, right-in-your-face gore in this that, I mean, it's done, again, I say beautifully, done with with great skill, a lot of practical effects. There is some CGI, although they said – I don't know they said there would be none, but obviously – They said it would be very little and a little bit of it, but it's a lot of practical work and it's very, very good. But it seemed like the times where I felt the most uncomfortable were the little things, the little moments, like the scene where she is in that access section in the shed, the the Jeffrey's tube in the shed. I don't know what the hell that is. Right. And and she's crawling backwards and the knife is coming through and it just grazed her leg. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and the the thing that came up we were talking about this afterward was sure because you watch somebody saw an entire arm off you see weirdness like people chewing into their their face with a knife there's no relatability but you see mm-hmm. something skirt over the skin like a paper cut and that makes sense the little yeah. needle thing. And near oh the the, under the eye. It's oh the my little god. things that might, <laughs> yeah, they're the cringing scenes because you can actually relate to that.
0: Right, and somehow we all relate to the the tongue slice
1: Oh my god, yeah, it's an, <laughs> that's really uncomfortable to watch. It's <laughs> not <laughs> a good, you know, not an easy scene to watch. Yeah, I actually think I was you mentioned Mia. I suppose we should kind of step back a little bit too and say that one of the things interesting about this is. It was a remake. It was about, although it's also being billed as a reinvention, and obviously the car's there, so there's the ongoing debate right now about is this in fact a sequel because there's really right. nothing here that necessarily discounts that something of that first film actually happened. But we should probably mention, briefly at least, that this actually has quite a plot structure to it that the first film lacked.
0: I yeah, they give they give more time to having the characters all doing sort of their own little subplot.
1: things, And of course, on. instead of it simply being a getaway with a bunch of couples going to a cabin, we actually have the fact that it's an intervention and that Mia is being brought here because she's a heroin addict. Right. And initially, when that news got out, a lot of people, including a lot of fans, there's that inevitable backlash of, really, do you really need to add some kind of and yet when i was sitting watching it i felt like not only did that work brilliantly but in essence it created a thematic level to this movie that made it so much more meaningful and that anchored all the gore and insanity so you could say yes there are a lot of people out there going to say oh why would you want to see a movie with this kind of horrific stuff and the blood and people cutting themselves and everything how could you watch that kind of crap and it's and it's hard to debate those kind of people because they don't get the idea Of horror, symbol, and metaphor. But meanwhile, Mm -hmm. this movie is very meaningful. The entire movie is a metaphor for kicking a drug addiction. Totally. She does that through the entire film. She's reborn Mm -hmm. at the end of the movie.
0: And you you could actually say that losing the hand is losing the addiction. Losing the addiction. Finally, that that piece of her is gone. And of course, that also has, you know, that shows us how um, the actress basically portrayed three characters in this movie. Right. I mean it possibly even more if you really break it down but you know you've got the you've got the the heroin addict and you've got the victim and then you've got the hero. I don't
1: know. I was pretty impressed. <laughs> yeah, I mean Mia me, uh, I was surprised by depending on what function she was actually performing in the plot Mia at different points in the movie is Ash Ash's girlfriend Linda and Ash's sister. Hmm. And She goes through experiences that can be mapped to all three of those characters from the original movie. And yet there's also her brother in this movie who sort of looks Ash-like, but he never quite is an Ash-type character, really. She's really the one that's our our main hero. And I don't know. I I was very impressed also. Not only was I impressed with Jane Levy as an actress doing all this stuff, which must have been pretty intense and yet probably also a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I really got a sense that she was having a good time.
1: But uh she gets to be almost through the entire film a villain and then also get to play the hero at the same time. Right. And certainly at the end. And and I just uh, I thought it was very impressive.
0: Mm-hmm. I thought
1: they found yeah. the right person basically. And who knows how that kind of alchemy works with casting, but they they found the right one for her.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, and of course at the end you you, you are looking forward to seeing, you know, what she's going to do next. And I mean, not even not even within the confines of Evil Dead. Yeah, no that universe. Right. I mean, you know, I, I I'd be I'd like to see more of her, you know, in other films or whatever.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's very clear that they've got the idea now that with the success that this had, it can continue on with Mia's character. Yeah, and she's got her chainsaw now, so she's <laughs> she's set. By the way, it was, it was it was it was my wife Stephanie, I think, who actually pointed out to me that when he buries her at the end. It's in a red dress. And in mm-hmm. certain ancient traditions or in certain traditions, red dresses symbolize purification and rebirth. Oh wow. Yeah. So that's deep. Yeah. So she's re like I was saying before, so she's reborn at the end of the movie. She's reborn clean. Right. She comes out no longer addicted anymore. And that whole thing is like there's the embodiment of everything she's fighting that she did to herself. And actually, I think we'd really be remiss if we didn't hit head-on the most controversial aspect of the entire movie. We've got to Which we've got to talk is? about it. We've got to talk about the tree rape scene. Oh yes, of course. We have to. It's quintessential <laughs> Evil Dead. It's absolutely. It had to be there. It had to be there. Rob Tappert has been quoted. He actually told them it has to be in there. And it's – the tree rape scene has been always one of the most memorable, one of the most controversial and still iconic moments of the original Evil Dead and certainly over the years garnered its share of attacks for perfectly justifiable reasons. It's pure exploitation. In the original movie, it has no purpose whatsoever except let's just do everything we can to shock and alarm and screw with people's heads. And and it happens, and it happens to his sister, Ellen Sandweiss' character, mm-hmm. and then she runs back to the cabin, and that's the end of it. And in this movie, right. it happens to our lead. It happens to Mia, and it happens differently because, first of all, they spend a lot more time on it. They make it a much more explicit and deliberate scene. They incorporate another female figure into it, a demonic Possessed creature that seems to be facilitating it And suddenly, and I, I have to say I know there are a lot of people out there That probably feel even worse about it now Or that why would you even put that in Or how dare you bring that back Or how dare you make that even more significant Personally, I thought it was amazing That they took something that was pure exploitation In the original And actually made it a plot point in this one It's the means by which she is actually possessed.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. And thing inserts itself into her.
1: Yeah. And to me, it was, again, this amazing symbol of she's been doing this to herself with drugs. Mm -hmm. She's been injecting herself. She's been penetrating herself with poison. And there it is right there again, symbolically. It's what she's been doing to herself. And it's part of this whole drug addiction arc. And I just thought it was brilliant to actually yeah. make that mean something rather than <laughs> just be exploitation. But I know a lot of people would still have a lot of problems with it.
0: <laughs> of course. Yeah. It'll continue to be controversial.
1: Yeah, but I think I think it was actually very impressive. I thought it, it yeah. meant a lot.
0: Um, now, that, of course, that leads us uh, – we might as well just, just sort of continue on with the whole Mia adventure and about, of course, the rumors of Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness 2.
1: Shortly after this movie um, started – making records and doing really well there was the inevitable announcement about they're already working on planning evil dead 2 which would be the follow-up to this one and then i think it was bruce campbell and a few others have mentioned the fact that well if they go ahead now with evil dead 2 evil dead mark 2 number 2 and evil dead 4 The long discussed, constantly asked of Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell until they're disgusted by it. Are you ever doing a fourth one? Now they're talking about that again. And then have the two parts of the franchise meet in a seventh movie that would be Army of Darkness 2. That's the, or three. That would, that's, (laughs) I'm losing numbers. But that's apparently the general idea right now. And and it sounds like it's half reality and half them just sort of, you know, (laughs) screwing around with interviewers but considering how well this did and how well it was received it could happen and apparently well it, I could yeah
0: I was gonna say I, I'd put money on Un Evil Dead 2 for sure yeah I mean we're definitely gonna see that and hopefully Alvarez um, will
1: be doing it right now yeah the idea is he is
0: uh, I would much prefer that and then yeah I'm not so sure about the Army of Darkness <laughs> 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 I mean because the only thing is is that if if they would were to do that and to join the universes yeah that would mean that evil dead 2 would have to start to they'd have to start introducing humor right because it, you couldn't have the shocking <laughs> transition of having Mia's world which what what we've you know what we've just seen with Ash's world just sort of collide and just yeah. stomach that unless Ash tones down or she you know they elevate the humor
1: well he is older so I could actually see it working with a slightly more toned-down version of Campbell's kind of. Do you performance? think that
0: Sam and Bruce would really <laughs> want to do that? I guess
1: not. No, I guess not. No, that, um,
0: unless. Well, I mean, you know, obviously, drag you know, drag me to hell was was Sam saying he really wants to do more humor horror. Yeah, that's so. true.
1: And we did get a little bit of Bruce at the end there after the end credits, which was yeah, kind of silly and unnecessary. <laughs> completely and
0: unnecessary scene. Yeah. It would have
1: been cooler if it actually felt like it had anything to do with the actual narrative rather than just him appearing full face <laughs> just to be there. Sitting in a room. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sitting in a room by a desk lamp. Oh,
1: and by the way, that's the thing, too, is that uh, – and then like the DVD Blu-ray – Inevitable release will have all this stuff on it, of course. But there's already something from this Evil Dead that's missing, uh, which they deliberately took out because they wanted to keep all their options open for the sequel. Mm -hmm. And if you've seen the posters for this Evil Dead remake and if you saw the original trailer and a lot of the still photos that came out for promotion, then you saw that image of what looked like Mia trudging down the street after everything's happened. That first poster has her walking away from us and that was intended to be the final one of the final shots of the movie they they actually shot an ending for the film that doesn't appear in the movie in which she's walking down the street at the end and gets picked up by somebody and the guy's asking are you okay and I'll get you to the hospital and the last shot is her looking up at us and her eyes are black or whatever and you realize it's still in her And they cut that entire ending, which exists, and I guess will be an extra, because they realized, well, that locks us into something then for the sequel that we're not sure we want to do. Right. And apparently the first version of that ending that was never actually shot but was originally written was that the first uh, script – the first draft of that final scene that was shot – was written originally to be that instead of just a random driver going by, it's a truck with the S-Smart logo on the side. <laughs> and when she got into the car, it was supposed to be Bruce there as Ash picking her up, and as soon as her eyes went, she was supposed to turn to him and say something like, you know, I'll swallow your soul, and he would say groovy, and that's the end of the movie. And they, yeah. they decided before ever getting to shoot that, that that was too much, like you just said, that that was too much of a tonal shift for the yeah. end. So they went with a generic person, but then they cut that too.
0: I don't mind that you just see her walking off in the current cut because I think if they had gone the the still-possessed route, it might have been a little too cliche.
1: Well, the other thing too is I feel like that at this point would undercut the entire point of this one, which was that she triumphs (laughs) at the end. Yeah, exactly. And while there's still room to do something with it in the sequel, it seems wrong to completely ruin the fact that she has emerged from this – empowered that's kind of what i mean i was i was just so impressed to see a movie that a incorporated so much blood and gore and did all the kind of roller coaster ride stuff you'd want out of this kind of movie and yet at the same time b had actual meaning and a character arc that i just never expected them to be able to pull off in the same film Right. and i think it would have been a mistake to just have on oh, all of a sudden she's got the eyes again and you know that would ruin everything
0: <laughs> that would totally ruin everything yeah yeah the journey would be for naught yeah um well i think I think we've kind of covered most everything about the new film and we've tossed in a little bit about the old um i do want to read I thought these were pretty hilarious there were some youtube comments that were underneath the trailer and i just had to read these to you because I'm sure you haven't read these but i there's only i only have three
1: i only have so much time in the day to be so overwhelmingly <laughs> angry at humanity
0: no 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 you're gonna so. love this okay so uh, and uh the first one uh it's by somebody who calls themselves sensomania i don't know sure but it says i actually thought this was rubbish and far-fetched weapons conveniently appeared next to people to kill themselves with mm-hmm. there was also way too much gore You'd think that in this day and age, they would just make sure remakes are better, not just add more blood and vomit. Rubbish. Just my opinion.
1: It is indeed just that person's (laughs) opinion.
0: I mean, you could – the only thing in there – that is, rings at all true is his comment about the weapons conveniently appearing next to people, ah, but which is just typical of the Evil Dead universe. Yeah,
1: and, and again, it's one of those arguments that to me is always insane, which is where people draw these bizarre lines where they feel this far and no farther. It's yeah, like exactly. you're already in a universe with demons possessing <laughs> the living and the dead and creating a warped reality where apparently you can't escape the woods and the cabin's bigger on the inside and you can't really get – it's all strange – but the fact that a weapon might appear near somebody in order to use them, oh, I'm sorry, that's trans-cadrula too much. That's too much, I yeah. Can't, I can't go that way. It's a, really? No, I'm sorry. And,
0: and no comment about the fact that the nail gun wasn't connected to anything. Yes,
1: you told me that. It wouldn't actually work but it's unless it was connected nail to a gun. It's, a, it's an evil
0: <laughs> it's nail gun, of a nail gun, that's right. Uh, all right, here's another one. Um, this one is by... Um, it looks like M M Dever's 666. Okay. Well, that Uh yeah. or is that MD Evers 666?
1: Automatic sounds uh, very authoritative.
0: And I'm I'm going to edit this. Oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh always the effing same creepy kids and lullabies hysterical acting and running around the woods. That's the entire comment.
1: You know I just really don't think this movie is for that person. <laughs> <Totally>. I really <laughs> You know, didn't have to see it. It's always the same. Yeah. Always. Yeah.
0: Not not acknowledging the fact that so much is probably based. I mean, it has been inspired by those original right. movies. Right. So,
1: but and it's tropes it, it's and motifs on. that get played out time and again. But, you know, at the same time as that person was in the theater, there was probably like a nice romantic comedy they could have gone to see. Or <laughs> Woody Allen's latest movie might have been out. I don't know. There's one every yep. year, so you know you don't have to see it. It's all right, you can just not.
0: <laughs> all right, here's another one. Uh, this is Are Tom. Are any of
1: them positive?
0: I'm getting to it. <laughs> okay. All right. Hey, this one is yeah, and I only have I have two more. Okay. Okay. Uh, this one is Tom. Looks, I don't know if it's Tom Brider or Tom Bride Rx, so Tom Bride Doctor.
1: They can get in touch yeah. and let us know how <laughs> Matt
0: yeah, <does> exactly. <laughs> uh, he says, or she, I'm assuming it's a he, it's Tom. Yeah. Go try and find another horror movie that comes close to Evil Dead. You won't find one in this day and age. Horror movies have been seriously lacking. Movies like this are definitely a breath of fresh air.
1: That is exactly how I felt leaving the theater.
0: Yay for Tom Bride All yes, right. Rx. Yes, he is. Got it. He or
1: she is correct. That's right. <laughs> now, that and then is, one more. That's what oh, sorry. I actually said that. I said that. I said this was like a breath of fresh air coming out of this because, like I was saying about The Red earlier, just that right. if I'm going to see a horror movie, I want something that – horror is about pushing boundaries. It's also mm-hmm. about daring people to deal with things they don't want to deal with or to look at things they don't want to look at. And there's yes. too much sanitized horror right now. So, totally. Yeah, good one. Good one on that one.
0: And then one last one is by, uh, uh, it's Daniel Kadir. Yeah. Uh, OMG, I love Star Wars.
1: That's good. Okay. Yes, that was... e- <laughs> oh. Excellent.
0: It actually was a comment under the Evil Dead trailer. That's right. So. That's right. You know, you got to get that in there. Yeah,
1: I know. Sometimes, you know, these things are bursting out of you and you just can't wait <laughs> until you get to the Star Wars clip on YouTube in order to post it. So you it's land so on rare, the nearest though. thing yeah. and it just happened to be the Evil Dead trailer. <laughs> you <laughs> couldn't hold it in anymore.
0: Don't go away. More of the g podcast is coming right up. Um, I, I, I'm sure you know about it. Uh, if for but for the listeners, uh, you guys have to go to Deadites.net if you haven't been to that site.
1: Deadites.net. Which it's I way, they were never referred to as in the remake. No. Never used the word Deadites ever. And and I guess another thing we should point out is that they reverted to the original name for. The book, the Naturon de Manto, rather than Necronomicon, Necronomicon. and that has to do with copyright issues and all
0: kinds. Which doesn't make any sense. Necronomicon isn't copyrighted, is it? Well,
1: it's, I, I might be mildly wrong here. Uh, I think it has to do with the distinctive design of the book as it turned up in Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness, and the fact that, what is it, Tom Sullivan might own that at that point. And therefore, that version of the Necronomicon is something that's controlled. So you'd have to get the rights for that. So that's why they reinvented the book.
0: Well, and of course, the book has looked different in every one of those. Yeah.
1: And and in a way, I did feel kind of sad that it didn't have a face. But But then again, the face automatically does give it a little bit of that campy quality that would fit in the original series, but maybe not in this one. Right. Well, I mean,
0: sorry, I'm off mic there. Um, I dropped my pen. Uh, the face was a little bit more subtle in Army of Darkness, of course.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Wasn't, wasn't quite as extreme as the one in Evil Dead too. So why don't we just talk a little bit about um the original movies, of course. Sure. Uh Evil Dead. Oh, and I've always wondered: is it the the original one was the the Evil Dead? The original Dead,
1: right? one is the Evil Dead, and then it's Evil Dead Two: Dead by Dawn, and then of course Army of Darkness, which has a whole bunch of alternate <laughs> titles. Uh,
0: that's true, but.
1: Technically, the movie is Bruce Campbell versus Army of Darkness. That's right. Um, Yep. And
0: And I remember how much I laughed when I saw that on the screen in the theater.
1: Yeah. Um, And that's one thing I've always said. Uh, We were talking about this earlier is how wrongheaded some of the news coverage of this remake was in the sense that journalists were going – Based on their murky memory of the series and not remembering the first film really and accusing this of not having humor because all they were really thinking about was Evil Dead 2 and actually largely Army of Darkness. Mm -hmm. And when you think of it, Ash, the character that Bruce Campbell made into such an icon, really truly comes into his own and becomes the character I think we most remember in Army of Darkness. Even in Evil Dead 2, he's not quite there. He's just a total ass in, in Army of Darkness. And and it's
0: but an endearing yeah,
1: ass. Yeah, and so quotable. You know, first you want to yeah. kill me, then you want to kiss me. Blow. Blow. <laughs> Everything <laughs> he says in Army of Darkness is a quote. But but that's where that came from. And it's amazing how short people's memories are.
0: Yeah, it's been interesting having to have conversations with people about well, the New Evil Dead didn't have a lot of humor in it. No. <laughs> well, the New Evil Dead hardly didn't have any at all. No. I mean, it's not a question of
1: you know, not having much. It was an experience in grueling horror. And I also, <laughs> and I also kind of always liked, um, just in talking about finding it, I honestly couldn't tell you when I first saw these movies. I hate the fact that I can't think of these things because I feel like it'd be kind of nice to know when I first came to these films. You know, how mm-hmm. old was I? I really can't remember, but I do know that I, – I never really gravitated to a lot of horror because I wanted to be scared or thought I was scared. I would enjoy the story and the characters, and Evil Dead 2 I thought was fantastic. Army of Darkness I always loved. The first film I think I may have actually seen last, but I'm not 100% sure And mm-hmm. going back to see the original. Right. Uh, might not have seen that i certainly didn't see it first i know i probably saw evil dead 2 first but i always kind of liked the idea that they reinvented the story with each one yeah it had that weird sort of time twisty thing of well this is every everyone's a variation on a theme and we'll catch you up and then we'll get moving and then of mm-hmm. course army of darkness had the weird hook that uh what was it um Bridget Fonda is his girlfriend in the opening scene, yeah, <laughs> cause, just because she wanted to be in it, and yeah, they just get you out of the cabin really quickly in that one, so
0: yeah, I remember when uh, Evil Dead Two was in theaters I didn't see it in the theater, but I remember when it was in theaters because i'll never forget uh, a conversation I had with this with a kid in school who had seen it, and he was ranting about it because he was saying how cheap it was mm. it was like. This bad low-budget movie, and it looks like it was shot on eight millimeter, and you know, just really kind of strange commentary that he gave me. Mm-hmm. But it, it was intriguing enough so that when I saw the, you know, the VHS with the the wonderful skull face oh, on fantastic. it, oh <laughs>
1: fantastic! I don't know what it is, but skulls with eyeballs still in them that works. <laughs> that just works.
0: Yeah, I mean, I was sold, and of course, that's my my first experience was. It was in high, I was still in high school, I think I was okay. still in high school, or or maybe early college. And and renting the the VHS and watching it that way. Yeah, and then I I know I saw the original not too long after that, and it just didn't. So we both really saw the, so We the,
1: both saw the second one first, then probably.
0: Yeah. That, oh, absolutely. That's interesting. Yeah, but I definitely saw uh, Army of Darkness third because I I know I saw evil, the original Evil Dead. Yeah. Not like I say, not long after I had seen Evil Dead too. Just thinking, oh, there's another one. Yeah, you know, not knowing where it fit into the quote unquote continuity. But
1: and it's really. And then of
0: course, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, and then of course, I saw Army of Darkness in the theater.
1: <laughs> <I've> <laughs> As never, I'm sure you I've did. never seen a single one of them in the theater until this one. So yeah, I missed out on that. Oh um, okay. I saw Army of Darkness on cable, probably. Um, but the other thing I guess we we could kind of mention just in general is. What's interesting is everybody seems to think of these as of a piece, and when you're a fan of them, you think Evil Dead, and that encompasses Army of Darkness. But Army of Darkness, for so many reasons, also feels so much like a film all to itself and in many many ways is equally an homage to classic sword and sorcery movies and Ray Harryhausen movies as much as it is a continuation of Evil Dead and less a horror movie and more a horror-themed adventure film that really bends the genre completely. It has it has sequences that feel like it's still there, like the sequence of him picking the books, for instance, and him facing his evil half. But then there's stuff in it that's just flat-out like Grand Robin Hood adventure, and yeah. it's just a bizarre film, really, that it's almost like it works in spite of the fact that it's multiple genres happening all at once. And, of course, lots of Three Stooges slapstick that all those guys oh, yeah. like a lot. So,
0: <laughs> What do they call the...
1: The stunt guys. Fake champs. Uh, fake champs. Fake champs, yeah. who were listed in the new one, too.
0: In the new one, yes. I, I, I got notice. a great
1: laugh in the end credits for that, too. Yeah, fake champs are still around. Yeah, but this one sure did not have. It had humor in the sense that, like, a couple lines the character of Eric had, or, like, something that derived from within the plot, someone's being mm-hmm. funny, but certainly not that element of it's not funny on the surface. Right. And it really, really tests your squirming ability in the the seat, I think, which is a good thing. I was impressed by that.
0: Um, One little funny thing about my seeing Army of Darkness in the theater, uh, two friends of mine, including one of my best friends, actually worked on the movie. And uh, one was craft service. I think actually they were both doing craft service. But then uh, my friend Kevin was actually uh, a deadite in a couple of seats. Oh, awesome. (laughs) He got to, they got to, you know, put the makeup and the costume and the armor on him for a few, few shots. And I think actually, if I remember correctly, there's a knight who's on the, the car with Bruce yeah. when they're, you know, when they've got the big propeller, the big fan. And I think that's him as well.
1: Oh, so okay. he got to
0: be right there in, in production.
1: It's fantastic. Um, and they
0: shot that in Acton, I think, uh, California, out in the desert, you know, England.
1: And I know it looks so much like I, England. I know It looks exactly. <laughs> Having gone through a lot of research related to these movies in the past, one thing that uh, certainly is true is probably worth mentioning too is thanks to the DVD world, these movies have been through so many releases and re-releases and multiple editions and boomstick edition this and special edition that that it can drive you insane trying to find versions of this movie depending on what you want. In the case of Army of Darkness... There are three or four different distinct cuts of that film Mm -hmm. uh, with, first of all, multiple endings. There are two different endings, um, and there are a great many fans that will debate which ending they like. I'll just vote right now and say that I prefer the S-Mart ending, but there are a lot of people that like the post-apocalyptic ending. But there are multiple cuts, and from what I remember, the most complete extended cut of the film That also looks the best can be found on the region Four and if I'm right, Hong Kong edition of the DVD, which I have. Uh, And it also features a couple extra seconds of the evil ash confronting uh, God, I can't remember her name now and Beth David's character uh, in the in the cemetery. And there's a couple extra seconds of that that's trimmed out of almost every other version of the movie. And you really have to dig to find that that's the one. And also the color on that one is richer looking than a lot of the others. So if if anybody's a real aficionado and they're looking for the Optimum Army of Darkness to grab on DVD, if you can find the Region 4 one, that's the one to get. And that'll do it for this episode of G
0: to V. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. Visit gtvpodcast.com for show notes and all the latest news. Join our Facebook page follow us on Twitter at G2B podcast. And if you have any comments, questions, or even ideas for upcoming show topics, send them our way via contact at g2bpodcast.com. Our show music is by Brian Boyko and Frank Nora.